Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. Welcome in Sports Sunday on Selection Sunday. The only problem is this show will be over before they actually make any of the selections. What's the use of having a Sunday show when you can't react to the big news of the day, right? Unbelievable. But it is good to be with you. Yes, it is Selection Sunday, and sadly, uh, probably not very many fireworks around here in terms of making the NCAA tournament. We're going to talk about all that. You had baseball this weekend. Old Miss and Mississippi State walked off yesterday. Southern Miss, though, the story of the weekend. A viral moment yesterday. I can't wait to talk to Scott Berry about this. I, I want to know what he thinks about how his team handled uh, Friday night, where they hit a grand slam, and then immediately after hit a solo shot, the next batter up gets beaned in the head, And so the next batter up hits another home run and decided to take his jolly time getting around the bases. Uh, Even Barstool's on it. I mean, Southern Miss went viral on Friday and Saturday. We'll play the audio for you from the other side. John Cox made a great call because that's what John Cox does. But it's the other side that'll really, really make you laugh on this Sunday morning. Salty isn't even close to describing it. So we'll play all that for you coming up here in a little bit. But it is Selection Sunday, Stephen. I, I know that uh, I, we will get into Ole Miss's loss to LSU, but more importantly, um, who they lost to and why it's so frustrating that on this Selection Sunday we don't get a team from Mississippi in part because of Will Wade But this is a really good happy day. Selection Sunday, the NCAA tournament going on as scheduled. There were some hiccups at the ACC tournament. There were some hiccups in the Big 12 tournament. But so far, everything is on scheduled, on scheduled, on schedule and ready to go. One of the best days in sports, is it not? It really is. And the fix to your problem of us not being able to react to that news, we could technically sit in this studio for the next 12 hours. Yeah, so what time What time are on. they doing the selection? Isn't it usually around like 6 or 7? I need to—I guess I should have known that. I, the, quite frankly, now that Ole Miss lost and neither of our teams are going to be in the tournament, I just—you know, I'll look at the bracket when it gets released on Twitter— 30 minutes before the broadcast starts. You know, that's, I mean, uh, I'm not going to sit down and watch the selection show. I'll still probably watch it just because what else is there on tonight? Um, Pelicans, Clippers, ESPN. <laughs> I think I mean, I'll come stick on. with the selection show. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and I will say. Five o'clock central is when uh, they will announce the bracket tonight. Okay. And with time today, really everything that happens after right now is a win for me as far as just being here today. 
With daylight saving time, I had to set two extra alarms just to make sure I did not sleep through this show. And I'm here. So everything else today is a win. Well, just have a kid. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. I've got, a 20, I've got a 27-pound alarm. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I was not going to sleep in through this show. We're going through a little sleep regression right now. The little guy, instead of waking up at like 645, is starting to get up around 5 a.m. for some reason. So uh, that's fun. So that means it's really like it's 4 o'clock for you today yeah. and waking up. Hey, but the the most adorable part about it is he doesn't – it's been the last – Six or seven days or so, he started to wake up really early. But he's not waking up crying. He's just waking up making little baby sounds and stuff. And so you oh, think you that, can't get mad at that. Right. Then. And you think he's going to go back to sleep. I mean, the, the other day, this is going to sound terrible, but whatever. You can't parent shame me in 2021. The internet will come after you. Uh, I mean, we left him in there for an hour because he was just kind of laying there just like, ooh, just making little baby sounds. And so we were like, hey, he might go back to sleep. He never went back to sleep. But it's not like he was mad or, or, or anything like that. Um, so I've been up. I, I've been up. I'm feeling good this morning um, and glad you guys are with me. You want to be a part of the show this morning, uh, you can on the text line, 601 879 601-879-4395. I cannot wait to get to this audio. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we'll do it probably in the second hour. There's a tease for you. you got to listen a long time to hear the ULL guys make the third home run call in the inning. Oh, boy. Oh, man. But we're talking basketball right now. Ole Miss, uh, 16 and 11, 10 and 8 in the SEC. They lost to LSU in the SEC tournament. They had a five point lead with just over six minutes to go in the game. Just could not hold on, could not make shots late, and got beat by a really good and talented LSU team. And although, and we'll get to Joe Lenardi's bracketology here in a second, tell you who's in, who's out, who's around Ole Miss. Um, Joey Brackets has been wrong on a couple of teams before. Uh, he's very, very good at his job, but he's not perfect because how can you be? Uh, a lot of these selections are splitting hairs, and sometimes it doesn't really make any sense. And when you look at the teams around Ole Miss, they, they have better resume or a better resume than a lot of teams that are in front of them right now, but it doesn't really matter. Um, and we'll get into this in a little bit. Ole Miss lost games they should not have lost. If they are not selected today, which most people anticipate they will not be, they only have themselves to blame. Full stop. They only have themselves to blame. But I don't know if, even if you're a Mississippi State fan, I think you can agree with this. The fact that standing in Ole Miss's way from an NCAA tournament bid, in between Ole Miss and the NCAA tournament was LSU. LSU, a program still being coached to this day by a guy that was caught on an FBI wiretap discussing NBA league minimum caliber offers he gave to his starting point guard. Yes, the guy that started in the game against Ole Miss. That's who he was talking about. The strong three-letter word offer. That was standing in Ole Miss's way. That makes me uncomfortable. I know how college sports work. I, I Trust me. I mean, we've had this conversation before. I know that players get paid. I, I know that. It shouldn't come from the head coach. And if they get caught like that, I mean, I, I put the audio on Twitter. I'd play it for you guys, but I, I don't, 
I mean, every fourth word is one that I have to bleep out, so you wouldn't even be able to really hear what the audio is. He mentions league minimum, strong offer. He's frustrated because the player hasn't accepted the offer yet, and it's the guy that started the game against Ole Miss. Saying that he's made better offers to guys who aren't two- and three-year guys. Yeah. So it's not like this was an isolated incident. There's clear audio in there that shows that this is a scheme that has been going on for a long time. That's what he is. And I know how this sounds. What about ism isn't right. I mean, you got to play the game, right? But if that was Kermit Davis or Ben Howland on that audio that was aired on an HBO documentary that everybody has heard, you can find it on my Twitter page. Will Wade, if that was Kermit Davis, was he coaching against LSU on Friday night. Absolutely no shot. Will Wade existing on the sidelines is an embarrassment to the SEC. Seriously. The fact that the commissioner of the SEC, the people, I don't know what they can do about it, but the fact that nothing has even been said or done, that Will Wade can win games in their tournament, it's it's a complete and total embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. It's a black eye on college sports because it's all about purity, right? It's all about amateurism. It's blatant. It's right in front of your face. And even when name, image, and likeness becomes a thing, what Will Wade did would still be against the rules. That player, the one he was discussing, I promise you, I I don't want to promise I would be willing to bet my car in my house that the one player that Will Wade was discussing received more and impermissible benefits than the entire Ole Miss roster. But that was the difference. Amateur athletics. It's, it's a, an embarrassment to the SEC. It's an embarrassment to the sport. The fact that he can still coach at LSU is an embarrassment. Maybe Greg Sankey doesn't have HBO. He and, never saw it. And speaking of embarrassment, I, I've, I used to really like Tom Hart. Um, he's lost me. One, when he was calling Mississippi State Auburn. Well, it didn't even have to go to the game, by the way. It didn't travel. He was in his living room. In and out of every commercial break, complaining that there wasn't a lot of offense in the game. I mean, that was ridiculous. But during Ole Miss LSU, the number of times they said that LSU are the bad boys of the SEC, they're the most hated team in the conference, because they talk a lot of trash? Tom, no. The rest of the SEC hates LSU because their coach was caught on a federal wiretap discussing league minimum payments he gave to his players, Tom. Like, I know that you can't bite the hand that feeds you. Because he draws paychecks from the SEC. I get it. So just don't bring it up. Because you sound like an idiot. Oh, they're the bad boys because they talk trash. Everybody hates LSU because yeah, they, they really like to run their mouths on the court. No, Tom. It's because their coach ran his mouth on a federal wiretap. It's an embarrassment. But... Ole Miss only has themselves to blame if they don't hear their name called today. We'll tell you all about it next at Sports Sunday. We're slowly starting to get things back. Now that uh, the COVID numbers have been looking better and better, one thing that I hope we get back is that Def Leppard concert I was supposed to go to at the Brandon Amphitheater. 
They haven't rescheduled that thing yet. You think they'll honor tickets two years after the fact? So we hadn't purchased them yet, so that's oh. okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought you had it like in your like in an envelope at your house saying, like, I'm waiting to cash these in, basically. If I remember correctly, that I could be wrong. But I know the schedule set up well to where like Mississippi State was at eleven and Ole Miss was at like three, and so I could watch both games and then go see Def Leppard. They haven't rescheduled that yet. I hope they figure that out. Whenever they do, you're going to have to ask them, hey, can you make sure to do it on a day where the football schedule lines up exactly (laughs) like it did in 2020 before this was canceled? Man, Uh, that's uh, we've talked about it before. That's the the one thing I'm most looking forward to getting back. Uh, I know that live nobody really talked about it because, uh, I mean, it was a pandemic. You, You don't have to list every business that's getting affected. They all were. But live music venues were especially uh, devastated by it. Because when you look at sports leagues, well, they couldn't fill up the stadiums anymore, but they have a television product. Live music venues don't have TV to supplement you know, their lack of fans, if you will. But we did get good crowds in baseball this weekend. Looked great and sounded great. Yeah, weather with, was perfect. With some of those, with the walk-offs at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, just seeing the crowd reaction, that was almost better than the actual game itself. After this long and with this week being the anniversary of the Rudy Gobert situation, just seeing those reactions in the stands was really awesome. It was cool to see for sure. We do get uh, a text here from uh, our usual guy. Um, This is kind of funny, though, actually. He said, everyone I watched the game with kind of was leaning towards pulling for Ole Miss because of Will Wade, and then Marshall Henderson was featured running out on the court uh, like some things that I can't say. And then uh, all of a sudden, everybody starts pulling for LSU. There isn't a bigger, he says, screw up with a different word in basketball history than Marshall Henderson, but the university gives him a role on the team. Wow. If he played for Mississippi State, you'd love him. Marshall Henderson was the epitome of he's a three-letter word, but he's our three-letter word. So everybody hated him, but almost people loved him. I mean, it's like J.J. Redick at Duke. Now, he's done a complete 180, though. Everybody likes J.J. Redick now. It's crazy. Um, But that's how Redick used to be. Everybody hated J.J. Redick except for Duke people. Um, Everybody hated Grayson Allen except for Duke people, although they should have hated him, too. I was going to say, it felt like everybody hated Grayson Allen for a little bit, at least. Yeah, you got to just defend him. But, no, that's, I mean, come on, man. If Marshall Henderson was a state guy, you'd love him. And uh, there is nothing that Marshall Henderson has done that makes Ole Miss more unlikable than LSU basketball. Although, in fairness to Will Wade, as backwards as his presence on the sideline still is, as embarrassing as it is that the SEC, I mean, just lets this happen, that the same school that had, I mean, every single day there's a new report about how awful LSU is as an as an athletic department in totality. Um Letting him still coach on the sidelines is an embarrassment. However, when you look at LSU right now, Will Wade's kind of like, I mean, he's a choir boy compared to the other programs on that campus right now. All he did was give kids money for being good at basketball. By proxy, that's not so bad. Yeah, all of a sudden, he looks like the greatest guy in that whole department. I mean, if I were an LSU fan, I'd be like, oh, thank God for Will Wade. At least he's only giving kids money for being good at basketball and not using a hospital charity to funnel money to recruits or uh, covering up serious, uh, violent 
uh, assaults, you know. So maybe he's not that bad anymore. Do you, we talked about LSU's kind of media spin and how they were able to do all of that last week. Is keeping Will Wade around, do you think there's some element to they knew that there were worse things coming Well, they, they, they kept him around for that purpose? In fairness to LSU, they did restructure his contract and added some language that basically says if the NCAA releases some findings, we can fire you and we don't have to pay you anything. Okay. Well, the HBO released the findings. The findings are out there. So I, if they're not waiting for that, I don't know what they are waiting for at this point. I can't imagine there's better evidence than... And Southern Miss fans know... I mean, Southern Miss basketball got decimated. And the only thing the NCAA had was inconsistent testimony, a story that changed three times. And they, uh, I mean, caught back the gun and shot Southern Miss to the moon. And that's all they had. But. And I trust the FBI more than I trust the NCAA. (laughs) You can't spin what was said, man. (laughs) Right. You can't spin it. That's true. Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. Um. He did this uh, at 12.43 Eastern time. He's a grinder this time of year. I guess when it's your only job, you better get it right. And uh, after all of Saturday's games, Ole Miss fell to the number four spot in the first four out. So barring a committee making a decision that the the gold standard of bracket making uh, did not foresee Ole Miss will not make the NCAA tournament today in front of them is Colorado State, St. Louis, Wichita State, who did beat Ole Miss earlier this season. Among the last four in, you have Syracuse, Louisville, Drake, and Utah State. If you look at resumes, just resumes, Ole Miss has a better resume than a handful of teams that are listed in front of them. That is a legitimate gripe, especially at the top. Ole Miss has more Quadrant 1 wins than most of these teams. They have a better record against ranked teams than most of these teams. So... If you want to go down that road, you certainly can make that complaint. Well, how is Colorado State listed ahead of Ole Miss when if you look at the resumes, objectively, Ole Miss has a better one? So I understand that. And that would frustrate me too. At the end of the day, though, Ole Miss not making the tournament is their own doing. Now, they tried to, to correct that. They played really good basketball down the stretch. Really good basketball down the stretch. What They were, what, 8-3 and three in their last 11? Yep. But um, it's, those last th- it's those three losses, though, obviously, yeah. and, and who they were to. You can forgive the LSU loss because of where they were metric-wise and what their payroll is. Um, but this is their own fault. All you have to do is not lose to Vanderbilt or lose to Mississippi State at home. Just change one of these results. Split Georgia instead of getting swept by Georgia. Uh, Beating Dayton earlier in the season when you had uh, an opportunity to win that game. Same thing with Wichita State. Change any one of those results and you're in, but this team's inconsistency, their inability to score especially early, losing to a very bad Vanderbilt team in what was a must-win game. You can compare resumes all you want. Uh, as Steven lists here, 
Uh, Ole Miss has seven quadrant one or quadrant two wins. Uh, they're number 52 in the net. They're three better than St. Louis in those wins. I'll say quick credit. That was according to 24-7 Sports, so shout out to them for putting all that together. I'm not a, a math guy, and it's hard to follow some yeah, it's of all stuff, right. So. Um, Memphis, who is, uh, they did lose yesterday, but Memphis is directly behind Ole Miss that has zero of those wins. Boise State has lost four in a row. SMU hadn't played since the middle of February, and they got beat and were still around. Um, they probably should be a tournament team. They probably should be. They have more good wins than most teams around them. Probably should be. But when you lose to Vanderbilt, or when you lose to Mississippi State at home, or when you get swept by Georgia, you really can only look in the mirror. It's a shame, because they probably deserve a bit. But it's not the committee's fault. It's theirs. And, I mean, you go back to Friday night, even with the loss to Mississippi State, the loss to Vanderbilt, the losses to Georgia during the regular season, you had a five-point lead with six minutes to go and a chance to make the NCAA tournament, and you couldn't hold on. You're not a tournament team. If you were, you win that game. Yeah. It's as simple as that. They played their tail. That was a fun basketball. They played their tails off. I mean, they did. That, that, was, uh, that was a fun basketball game. Just came up uh, just a little bit short. Those shots that Jarkel Joyner was making in the second half, that was just an electric factory, man. Um, Fell in love with the with the three and the deep shot a yeah, little bit late. I, I almost put it on Twitter, but I know tensions were high, so I don't think people would have received it well. But I thought Joyner making these shots may not be good because then shot selection might start getting pretty poor, and, and it, it kind of did there for a while. Bowen Indianola says, Marshall is Ole Miss basketball. Still can't believe he never found a spot in the NBA, but he is the greatest Ole Miss has ever had um, as far as like being a showman. Here's the thing about Marshall in the NBA. Despite what some people will try to convince you, you have to defend. You either have to be the best scorer, like a James Harden, or you have to defend. And Marshall just not a good enough athlete to defend in the NBA. So no matter what people say, oh, they don't play defense, they do. And he wasn't good enough at it to find a spot. Seems like he's doing pretty well, though. Learning how to be a coach. Got good news for Mississippi State fans. Fidna is uh, going to be added to the dictionary. F-I-N-N-A. So when you say dogs Fidna eat, you are being grammatically correct. Moving forward. It's being added to the dictionary? It is. Hmm. Uh, other words, I mean, um, they changed the definition of literally because people were so stupid they couldn't get it right. And so now... I literally died last night when Kelly got too drunk is now an accurate statement, apparently. That just so literally mean, doesn't mean literally anymore. We have just completely... Yeah, they're, they're altering the entire definition of the word. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I think, like, didn't they add bay in the dictionary as well? They did. Is this all, like, Webster's dictionary? Yeah, or? like the, the dictionary. Okay. Yeah. Fidna. Fidna's a word now. Dogs fitting to eat. That always cracks me up. I, I, I love it, honestly. But uh, now you're you're correct. It's not a, a slang term anymore. It is it is a denotation, buddy. So uh, enjoy that. Something that state fans did not enjoy was their game to Alabama. Here's the question that I'm 
wrangling with, and we talked about it on the Friday show some. Mississippi State should return. They should return a nucleus of three, in particular, very good players. That should be, should be, a tournament team next year. Although today their names will not be called, the last time the NCAA tournament was played, Mississippi State was in it. Ben Allen's program is better than the one that he took over. He has stabilized Mississippi State basketball. He has an NBA presence as well. Young guys that are getting minutes on good teams also. Reggie Perry, probably going to win an NBA championship this year. Get a nice ring. The problem is, though, nobody cares. And so John Cohen has to sit in his office for a few days and wonder... Maybe the decision's already been made. Maybe he, he's not thinking about it this way. But there are two opportunities on your campus to make money. It's football and it's basketball. Baseball in Mississippi does better. Sometimes they break even. Sometimes they do make a little bit of money. But your two opportunities to make real money are football ten times more. But football and men's basketball, that's it. And right now... Even though Mississippi State's program is better than the one Ben Hallen took over. Mississippi State's program is stable. It's fine. And coming back next season as a nucleus, if they stay together, of players that should be in the upper half, if not better, in the SEC. They should be a tournament team next year. Should, should, should. But they should be. But does anybody care? Because when the arena is open full next year, will it be? Do you have people chomping at the bit to buy season tickets? Will you fill up your arena? Because that is something they have not done at any kind of consistency since Ben Howland's been at Mississippi State. And you compound that with another disappointing season... Will people show up? Because this is a business for those two sports. It's a business. And if you're not making any money on basketball, if your fans don't care, I mean, that's that the biggest problem to me is apathy. We would spend time on the weekday show talking about Mississippi State's game the night before, and people were like, I don't care, fire Howland. I I mean, what's the baseball team doing? State fans are more outraged about the women's team than they are the men's team. That's a problem. And so if I'm John Cohen, I'm sitting in my office wondering if this is sustainable. I know they got a good nucleus coming back, all that stuff. But man, nobody cares. They got beat by 40-whatever to, to Alabama, and nobody cares. That's a bigger problem than if everybody was mad. Because if everybody was mad, they're still engaged. When they don't care, like Ole Miss fans in the Matt Luke era, they don't show, and you don't make any money. And you have to schedule home and homes with UConn to crawl yourselves out of a financial hole that the NCAA plus having a fan base that didn't give a crap because you made it you had an uninspiring program. State basketball right now is an uninspiring program. It's not just a basketball decision. At least I don't think so. So what do you do? Do you ride with this young core and you sell that young core? It's probably what I would do. But I feel bad for your ticket office. 
the people that make commission on ticket sales, right, that, that work hard, they call donors, they call alumni, and you say, hey, you know, invest in our basketball team. And before you can get the A-L-L and that word out, people hang up the phone. There's a lot of apathy, and that's a problem. And this has been building for a while, so I don't want to say that this is a brand new phenomenon here with that apathy that you're talking about. But this year especially, when you have kind of a lull in the middle of the season, like Mississippi State did, and they were trending in the wrong direction, as the hype for baseball started to build, I think that compounded that much more quickly than it has in years past. And people are always excited for baseball here. But after the season just got canceled at the end of last year and people had been waiting so long for college baseball to come back, I think it made it that much easier for people to just kind of flip that switch and just basketball's over, essentially, and just shift right towards baseball like a month ago. Baseball hurts that for sure. I've had so many people ask, well, fans care so much and, and go to women's games. How can they support two teams? Oh, they can. They, they can. Speaking of that, they might not make the tournament this year. The Mississippi State women's team. Uh, fans are not happy about that. Um, I, I remember at the time um, when Vic Schaefer moved on and they hired a new coach that everybody just, oh, yeah, they'll be exactly what they've been. The greatest coach in our program's history moving on will change nothing. They're going to be a Final Four contending team again this year. You don't lose the best coach in the history of your program and and just pick right up where he left off. That, that doesn't happen. That won't happen for Alabama football. It shouldn't be like this, don't get me wrong, but... I mean, there were people that were like, oh, yeah, they won't miss a beat. Yeah, Vic Schaefer, oh, he's, he's a bum. Whatever. It, the, the program is what's winning, not the coach. That was always kind of silly. Again, it shouldn't be this bad. They shouldn't be missing the tournament bad. But there were people that didn't expect a, a, any kind of a drop-off between the greatest coach and his replacement after he leaves. It's kind of on you. But that's it. That was talking women's basketball. Yeah, they will get pushed out of the tournament, it looks like, the, what you were referencing there. Somebody from the Missouri Valley Conference, they're getting a, a two teams in, basically, and that's going to push Mississippi State out, that according to ESPN. So, I mean, they're 10-9 and nine on the season, so not arguably a tournament team anyway. And it's like if four teams in the men's tournament can't play because of COVID— would you consider Ole Miss making the tournament in that instance? Or no? I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, and as like one of these alternate teams. Do you want to make it that way? Yes. You want to play. Um, heck, I'd even hang the banner. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd hang the banner. Why not? Oh, uh, you'd get roasted on Twitter. Yeah, you probably would. Uh, but that is an interesting layer here because and then what happens to the NIT? Because I know people hate the NIT, but making the NIT and playing it, it is not bad for your program. If you get the opportunity, you should take it. Uh, Kentucky has played in the NIT. North Carolina has played in the NIT. You're not too good for it. If given the opportunity, you take it. But what happens 
when Kansas gets in the field and one positive turns into three. And so they decide, well, one of these alternate teams that is supposed to play in the NIT gets in the field. Well, good for that team, but what does the NIT do? Do they have alternate teams waiting to, to go to Dallas or wherever they're playing to to follow that up? Something tells me the NCAA tournament is not concerned with what the NIT is Oh, no, do. it's more, I'm looking at it from the NIT's perspective. What do they do? Hmm. Yeah, I'm assuming there aren't teams on standby that are, like, chomping at the bit to play in the NIT that are just waiting around. Yeah. So, I'm not sure. I'm surprised they're even having the NIT, to be honest. They put it on television. Are people going to watch it? They kind of do. Yeah. I mean, I won't be, but more power to you out there. If well, you might have to. Watching. You might have to if Ole Miss makes it. That's a good point. My uh, show prep will consist of watching the NIT. Television, man, drives everything. Those games get put on ESPN, and so, by God, we're going to get these guys in a bubble in Dallas, and they're going to play in the not-important tournament. That is something to keep in mind, though. I mean, Ole Miss could still make the tournament if these COVID issues still exist within a couple of programs. If Duke makes it, I'm going to pull my hair out, by the way. They have no business even being in the next four out, Joe. Brands and whatnot. 6 year one 4395 is the text line. We'll be right back. Who knows if it's true or not, but according to the Spurs Up show, it's a daily podcast, I assume. Um, they have 13,000 followers, though, on social media, on Twitter, uh, covering South Carolina. They say that uh, Frank Martin is done, will be out as the head coach at South Carolina. Wasn't that long that's, ago they made a Final Four appearance? Yeah, I was going to say, that's very surprising. And, I mean, that's not a historically great basketball school. Unless not I'm, at all. Yeah. It's a terrible basketball state with John Morant and Zion Williamson <laughs> and Devontae Shore being exceptions to that rule more so than the alternative. Yeah, he's been one of the more steady guys in the SEC, recognizable, a good guy seemingly. That, that would surprise me if they let him go after a, a crazy year like this. So he's only made two postseason appearances, though. He's been the coach since 2012 there at South Carolina. Um, went to the NIT when they were a tournament team. They finished third in the SEC and did not make the NCAA tournament um, in 2015-16 and then went to the Final Four in 2017 and just four years later... Uh, while his team was absolutely decimated by COVID, couldn't I, I don't think they played a game at full strength this year. Um, reportedly is being fired in South Carolina. That would be a mistake. That, that would just simply, that would be a mistake if that is the case. And somebody would pick him up and get a really good basketball coach. It's a tough program to win and a tough state to win. I mean, if you really look at it, you've got Duke and North Carolina and NC State, not far from you, that care a heck of a lot more than your people do. And my goodness, you had a player in your backyard, the number one player in the country, and yeah, he had Clemson and South Carolina listed in his final teams or whatever. You had no shot to get him. None. 
Zero. No shot. Think about that. And you expect, what do these people expect anyway? um, So that might be your news of the day, aside from Selection Sunday, of course. Is there anything else basketball-wise that you want to get to before we switch over to baseball? Not that I can think of. I will say watching the watching a couple games yesterday, it, it was nice to watch meaningful basketball. And it's been like that, you know, towards the end of the regular season here, but across the board, I wouldn't necessarily tune into Georgia Tech, Florida State if it wasn't a conference tournament. So that was fun to watch last night. I wonder if Josh Pastner can pick up satellite signals from the face covering that he wears. That thing looks so ridiculous. What is that? <laughs> that We've been in this thing long enough now to know that those don't actually do anything. The whole bottom of it is open. So I don't understand what wearing that giant thing over your face does. I mean, how did the players take him seriously? Could you imagine if that guy was yelling at you about effort? It's like, Coach, how could I try hard when you look like this? Come on, man. Like, you're yelling at me, telling me I'm not giving enough effort or whatever, and you're over here looking like a clown. Come on, man. He's another guy that kind of survived some some NCAA stuff uh, early in his tenure uh, there, Imagine too. that, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, all that to say, you know, that that game was fun. Ohio State-Michigan, Ohio State pulled away to win that one yesterday. It was just a good time watching meaningful basketball with some people in the stands. Not and, a ton, but some. And the tournament's going to be without some blue bloods. I love that. Give me more of that. Parody, actually, in college basketball. Um, it'll be nice to just not hear about Duke constantly. Unless they get in. They can play, according to sources. That would be They don't it. deserve a spot. Their, their resume is not that of really anybody in front of them. They don't deserve a spot. Not and, at all. And, and it'll be what we said last week. It's a brand thing. Be a brand thing. Be a TV thing. The fact that that's even leaked out there is concerning to me. Oh, Duke can play. They're, they're, they're COVID clear. Well, can play in what? The NIT? Because they don't deserve to be in the tournament. Do you think they would play in the NIT? Or then would they oh, say, no, no there's oh, a new no, case, yeah. there's contact tracing. Yeah, Mike Krzyzewski would never. Yeah, they're not going to let the Duke name be associated with the NIT. Nah, yeah, absolutely no shot. So that's coming up at 5 tonight, Selection Sunday. We will have a bracket challenge for you with a big-time uh, reward for that. Two-night stay at the Pearl River Resort. You get to play golf. Um, you'll get to eat on us. One of their great restaurants. And, of course, uh, watch the NCAA tournament. Put a little money down. So uh, we'll give you those details tomorrow. I'm setting up the group tonight after the bracket and stuff like that. So... That's coming your way. We're going to turn the page now, though. Viral moment in Hattiesburg. We've got the audio for you. We'll tell you what happened, how Southern Miss became a national story, and they really made baseball purists mad with how they acted and reacted to one of their players getting beaned in the head, by the way. So we'll get to that next. Ole Miss and Mississippi State with walk-offs. Got some NFL storylines to get to as much as we can with just one hour left in the show on this selection Sunday. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Does NIT mean not in tournament, says Bo. 
It can, but it's National Invitational Tournament, I think. Hour two coming up. Michael Borky and Stephen Gagliano with you. It's hour number two on Sports Sunday. Super Talk Mississippi and viral moment. I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I've been teasing it for an hour. I love this so much. Southern Miss baseball was a national story on Friday. Got covered by Barstool, uh, which... At this point, I know there are some people that hate Barstool because of Dave Portnoy, things that he said in 2016 or whatever, but um, Barstool is a a brand that, I mean, how would you compare it? See, I, I think at this point, if you're being covered by Barstool in the sports world, that's as national as you can get. Yeah, they've got their hands in so many different things now that I think there's so many people that follow Barstool, that it's essentially what, I don't want to make too grand of a comparison here, but in the early days of ESPN, and and when they were really kind of hitting their stride, when everybody turned to them for their updates and stuff, I think it's that way now with where sports and kind of pop culture interact yeah. with Barstool right now. And, I mean, their their bread and butter is podcasts and stuff like that, and they just they dominate ESPN and viewership and stuff anymore. The point is, if you get covered by Barstool, you are national. And Southern Miss was covered by Barstool on a national level for one reason in particular. So they've won two games already this series uh, over ULL, or Louisiana, as they prefer to be called, the Raging Cajuns, a good baseball program, so really nice series win going for the sweep today for Southern Miss. That's great, but that's that's not something that gets you national. But something that does get you national is what happened in the second inning. So Southern Miss entered the inning with a 2-1 to lead. Um, ULL loaded the bases, walked a runner in, so it was 3-1. to when Southern Miss hit a grand slam. It was Sargent that hit the grand slam. The next batter, Ewing, hits a home run himself. 8-1 to one is the score. McGillis is the next batter. Gets beaned in the head. Now, it may or may not have been intentional. No way to know. But if you watch the pitch, if you watch the replay... You can see why Southern Miss was fired up after watching their player get hit in the head with a baseball. It looked, again, you don't want to assign something malicious to a college kid without knowing for sure. All I'll say is, I understand why Southern Miss was fired up after their player got hit in the head. If I hit somebody in the head by accident, I would go make sure they're okay. I would look remorseful. Yeah. I'll say that the pitcher didn't exactly do that. And DJ Lynch uh, really took exception to that. After his player was hit in the head, he was, I mean, he was in the on deck circle. He's fired up. F- players are chirping back and forth with each other. Things were tense, very tense. And then DJ Lynch hits a bomb to right field, just a bomb. And he walked up the first baseline. He got about halfway up the first baseline, and he threw his bat across the infield. I mean, not a bat flip, a bat throw. And he jogged. 
And that's probably overselling how fast he was going. He walked with pace, basically, around the base paths. He did not like watching his teammate get hit in the head. And so he very casually (laughs) took his time around the bases. And that moment went viral because, one, the internet loves a good bat flip. But when you compound the bat flip and the slow trot around the bases with why he was doing it, and every, I say, not everybody, but it, it was beloved by a lot of people, except for the broadcasters from ULL. Here's what it sounded like on the DJ Lynch home run on the Ragin' Cajun Radio Network. Pitch is low, 2-1. and one. I know it sounds dumb, but it feels like it's TV. Oh, wait, he hit me after a home run, so I'm supposed to get all tough. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just, again, you tried to bunt. He's missing to that spot over and over again. I understand the guy coming to his defense, but calm down. The 2-1, and that one is hit. Deep to right field, and that one's gone, too. Oh, oh, no, oh, oh, yeah. You're going you're gonna to walk, you're going to flip the bat. about that clip is the guy going I understand defending your player but calm down and then five seconds later having a meltdown <laughs> my favorite is oh no <laughs> oh no it's like it's like Lynch pulled his pants down or something and mooned the other dugout my goodness man oh I love it oh they were just so so mad oh calm down and then has a complete meltdown. My goodness. Hey, he wasn't throwing at him before, but he's going to now. That's the dumbest baseball thing, by the way. I'm not a purist, so I know this makes purists mad. Um, but why is it in baseball you get to decide how somebody reacts when they beat you? You know what? You can control how you handle things. If you think that flipping your bat's disrespectful, then when you hit a home run, you lay your bat down and you run the bases. If you think what DJ Lynch was wrong, then you don't do that when you succeed. That's the weirdest thing about baseball. Is Lynch saw his teammate get hit in the head with a ball, and he didn't like it. You know, when my son plays baseball, I'm going to try to teach him and instill in him that Don't flip your bat. When you hit a home run, you run around the bases. You play, and that's it. But I am not going to tell DJ Lynch how to act after I gave up a home run. If you don't like what DJ Lynch does after he hits a home run, here's a little secret. Don't give up a home run. Don't hit a Southern Miss player in the head. And maybe he won't act like that. But even if he does, guess what you do? You take it, and you try to beat him next time he's up. 
Instead, this weird little unwritten rule about baseball is because he showed up, he showed me up, so next time I'm going to throw a projectile at his head too. Oh yeah, we're going to throw it at you next time you're up, says the tough guy in the radio booth. We're not a tough bunch in the radio no. business. You know what you do? You strike him out next time he's up. That's how you show people. That's the dumbest thing about baseball. That guy acted in a way I didn't like, so I'm going to throw a ball at his head. Yeah, that, that's that's great. Give him a free base when you're getting blown out. That's really smart. Yeah, and that's, that's essentially admitting I can't get this guy out and I'm annoyed and embarrassed, so I'm going to throw a baseball as hard as I can at this guy. What what does that do, and it, what it purpose accomp- does that serve? Oh, it, it, it enforces the unwritten rules. Well, if they are rules, you should have written them down. Seriously, I mean, that, that audio is hilarious because they're just a bunch of salty guys that are mad that their team's getting smoked and that DJ Lynch tossed his bat. But that's the, the thing that bothers me most about baseball is I get to decide how you handle beating me. No, if you don't like it, you, you beat them. Am I going to teach my son to flip his bat and show up his opponent? No. If he does that, will I be mad at him? Yes. But if he's a pitcher and a guy hits a home run off of him and flips his bat and takes his time around the bases, you know what the lesson's going to be? Next time he's up, strike him out. That's what you do. But honestly... This stuff, though, is good for baseball, I argue. Yes, it is. Who else is talking about regional college baseball right now? Nobody. And when things like this happen, it goes viral. It's a national story. And if you're a pitcher and you strike someone out in a big moment, I want you to show emotion. I want you to celebrate, run off the mound, be excited. If you hit a home run, be excited about it. And of course... There are ways to do it where you're not showing the other person up. But baseball is fun. Sports are fun. Have fun. And, and baseball is a sport like no other right now that needs energy injected yeah. into it and people getting involved. And this is a way to do that. And I promise you, without knowing him personally, I've never met DJ Lynch myself, um, he doesn't act like that if the guy before him doesn't get hit in the head. I promise you. That doesn't happen. But yeah, you're right, man. I mean, th- this is this was hilarious. This is awesome. Good. You're going to hit my guy. Guess what? I'm going to take an hour to get around the bases. Hell, I might sit on second base and have a tea party. And you can do nothing about it because you're the one that gave up the home run. Heck yeah. To the top, man. That was, I love it. We might play that audio again. It's so funny. <laughs> Oh, you're gonna you're gonna take an hour to get around the bases. Yeah, yeah, he is. Don't give up a home run in Sports Sunday. So Southern Miss gets a series win and adds some salt on top of it. I still can't get over that audio. <laughs> uh, oh man, I'm not a baseball purist. There are some people that listen to our shows that do not like my stances on baseball. I mean, I even had some people in the replies that said, well, the next one should be in his ear hole for acting like that. Why is that only in baseball? Why should the next pitch be in his ear hole? You going to give up a free base? I I mean, what other sport do you just hand advantages to your opponent because they acted like a jerk? I, I don't understand it. If you don't like the way somebody acts when they beat you, don't let them beat you. It's not that hard. Well, it, it, apparently it is for 
Louisiana because they lost two games to Southern Miss. But I've never understood that about baseball, and I'm with you, Stephen. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. Baseball right now is at a serious crossroads. They have a, an older, which is, is fine. I'm not disrespecting the, the older uh, of you in the bunch. But baseball's audience is older than every other sport. Its popularity among young people is dwindling. It is going down every year. Uh, among young people, soccer is more popular than baseball in America. That's a problem. And baseball needs to figure out what they want to do. Do they want to just skew older? But here's the problem about the older audience. Once they lose that audience, they're not being replaced by an engaged younger crowd. Baseball's popularity is dwindling. The national interest in baseball is failing. The World Series ratings are plummeting. People are caring less and less. And the audience is skewing older and older. You know what young people love? Energy. You know what they love? Bat flips. They love flash. And maybe you think that baseball should never cater to that audience and it should just be pure about the game, but it'll continue to lose popularity. Attendance will go down. Viewership will go down. Popularity will continue to go down. So when things like this happen, embrace it. Because things like this are what young people like. And young people liking stuff is good for the long-term health of it, and baseball has not done that. Basketball's evolved. You may not, you, you may love 1982 basketball, but right now, it is extremely popular among young people. And that's good for the long-term health of the sport. Football has evolved. Scoring 24 points in a game used to be a good offensive day. Throwing for 250 yards was a really nice day. It's different now. It's evolved. It's changed. And football is, I mean, it's the king of sports. It's evolved. It's adapted. Basketball added a three-point line. Baseball has done what? Nothing. They juiced the baseballs for a while. They did juice the baseballs for a while. They <laughs> well, juiced themselves there for they, a while. Yeah, they, they turned a blind eye to people injecting themselves with steroids, mm-hmm. but, you know. Purists don't like this line of thinking. I know. Try, I mean, I hear you. I really do. I'm not telling you you're wrong for, for loving the game the way it's currently structured and the way it used to be. You're not wrong. People like what they like. And you may not like this, but bat flips are good for the long-term health of the sport. Home run chains like you see in Tuscaloosa, that's good for the long-term health of the sport. Kids having fun. When they strike out a guy, they get fired up. And when a two-lane pitcher gets accused of having a substance on his glove, and when he strikes out the next batter after they prove he doesn't, and he gives a thumbs up to the other dugout, and they they get to stare down and all fired up. Yeah, that's good for the sport. When a Southern Miss player watches his teammate get hit in the head with the ball, and he decides to tell ULL what he thinks about them after that happens, hey, you're going to hit my boy, guess what? I'm sending this one over the right field wall. And I'm going to tell you about it. The whole way around the bases, buddy, I'm telling you about it. Don't hit my guy again. When that happens, 
It's good for the long-term health of the sport. And another angle to this that I think a lot more people also need to recognize, not only is it fun to watch and you're putting a good product out there, whether you're streaming it or watching it on TV, it also shows the younger generation and young kids like your son who will grow up like this. They need to see it's fun to play baseball. Yeah. A lot of kids want to play football. They want to play soccer. There's lacrosse that's growing still. It's fun to play baseball. That was always my favorite sport to play, to watch. I loved baseball. I still love baseball. But you have to figure out a way to show the kids like me at one time it's fun to play baseball. Tyler uh, tweets at me. It has a really good counter to what I'm saying, actually. Uh, he said, if the dude is hitting the ball the, and the last one ended up in the outfield seats, plunking him isn't necessarily an advantage. <laughs> because, I mean, putting him on is better than giving up a home run. That's a that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> it helps your ERA if you don't give up yeah. another home run, oh, I guess. I didn't think about that. That's good. He said, don't get me wrong, though. I love bat flips and pimping big flies. Yeah, that's, uh, I love it, too, man. I'm with you, Stephen. It should be fun. What I have seen lately, we talked about this last week and the week before. Like Arkansas fans randomly hate Ole Miss for because you know the players act like they're having fun. It would bore me to tears if I watched my baseball team and they didn't enjoy themselves while playing. I mean, it's what fun is that? Baseball is a long game. Whether you're a baseball purist or not, nine innings is a long time to sit there and watch something. So you've got to find a way to make it entertaining and inject energy into it. So, yeah, I don't necessarily, I don't see a downside to this. As long as you don't let it get out of control, and that's where a manager and bench coaches, that's where they come into play. Make them earn that paycheck. Have them kind of quell things when it gets a little too heated. We get uh, a few messages here. JP just asking how long the show is. Well, JP, I'm glad you're listening. Uh, we are 8 to 10 every Sunday. Um, the station lineup is frustratingly inconsistent. Um, services and stuff like that, uh, we gain or lose stations throughout, and um, that's just how it's going to be. Supertalktv.com is the best way uh, to, to watch, or you can listen on the website as well. Um, that's how you can guarantee that you get all two hours is to do it that way. Most people aren't really by you know in their cars listening to the radio anyway at this hour. So uh, get get some coffee and hear some sports talk every Sunday morning. Um, we get another text here. A lot of the purest uh, baseball people are getting old and outnumbered. There are not as many as there used to be. Baseball needs juiced balls and an electronic strike zone and updated rules. Thank you, especially the electronic strike zone. I knew that one would get you fired Oh, my up. gosh. I mean, why do we let some – the example I use all the time is uh, Thomas Dillard when Ole Miss played at Tulane a few years ago. Thomas Dillard struck out on a bad pitch, I think in the first inning of a game at Tulane. And Thomas Dillard argued with the umpire. You probably shouldn't do it, but it was a bad – I mean, even the Tulane homer guy that was calling the game was like, oh, that – that, that shouldn't have been strike three, but that was strike three. And Dillard argued with the umpire. For the rest of the game, Thomas Dillard was umpired differently. His strike zone was much bigger. And it was blatant. It was obvious. It was. I'm not like interpreting that. 
anybody watching the game knew that Dillard was treated differently by the umpire. That should never, ever, ever be allowed to happen. If a guy on a 3-0 pitch thinks that he got ball four and runs up the line, you know what the umpire is going to do next, right? Everybody knows. His zone is going to be huge because you didn't wait for the call. A ball should be a ball and a strike should be a strike. The fact that we let a human behind home plate decide the game and then allow his ego and emotions to affect the way he calls the game, that's a problem. Why would we, well, because it's how it's always been. The human element's great about baseball. Yeah, except for when you have Angel Hernandez behind home plate. When you have a guy that couldn't handle Thomas Dillard disagreeing with the call, so for the rest of the game treated him differently, that's unacceptable. We have technology now that gives you instant, immediate ball and strike call. Why would we not use that? Keep the guy behind home plate to keep the game going, keep batters in the box, make plays at the plate, stuff like that. You need an umpire back there. But the high school level could even have that technology. Seriously. Every college baseball game at this point is on television. The automated strike zone is not an expensive thing. We can do it. But that's another thing I haven't understand, uh, understood at all. Well, we need the human element. Why? You've got a dude with an ego behind home plate that if you run up the line on what you thought was ball four, he's going to call you differently the next one? That doesn't make sense. Balls should be balls and strikes should be strikes. Officiating, umpiring, refereeing should never impact the outcome of a game. You knew that was going to get me. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. We'll be right back. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. We get one here that says they could put sensors and balls, gloves, cleats, and a base call would never get wrong. They, see, they don't even have to go that far with it. The on-base umpires are pretty accurate. I mean, they rarely miss calls on the base paths. And we have review in the SEC now. While the process takes forever, they need to streamline that a little bit. There's enough to get calls right on the base pass. The automated strike zone thing, we had somebody text in, and this is the clown that always decides to say things to me because he's bored. He listens six days a week and just decides to act like a clown on the text line all six days of the week. Um, including some recent anti-Semitism, so you know he's a great guy. Um, but he said the game would take forever if you have an automated strike zone because calls that are an inch or two off the plate wouldn't be called strikes anymore. Well, what happens to the strikes that are actually strikes that are called balls for no reason? Do you not factor that in as well? I mean, is that is that not something that you should also take into account? No, the game should be played where the human element is removed. If it's two inches off the plate, guess what? It's not a strike. If it lengthen, lengthens the game, so be it. Adjust and actually throw strikes this time. You shouldn't have to have the conversation in the dugout two innings into the game. Yeah, this guy likes it low. And those kind of calls, those one to two inches off the plate, guys are still going to swing at that pitch. So it's not like you're instantly just never going to have a called strike right, right. or anything it, like that. These guys are going to swing. It's not well thought out at all. But uh, that's what this guy does. 
JP says, uh, Haiti missed the earlier conversation, uh, but sounds like uh, you're expanding on home run chain, sledgehammers, and fun. He said Battles had a sick uh, bat flip in Ruston on Friday night. It's becoming more commonplace in college. Uh, there are people, though, that, that push back on it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people that said uh, after the Southern Miss deal that the next batter should have been hit, too. That you shouldn't act like that. I, I understand that motivation, where that comes from. I, I truly do. Um, some people love the sport the way it is. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong at all. Yeah, You love what you love, and, and you love it why you love it. But if you... I, I truly believe that the long-term health of the sport comes from allowing and encouraging some energy, some bat flips, striking out a guy and getting fired up, and having an automated strike zone where... I mean, the technology is instant. That's the thing. I mean, they've tested this at the minor league level. And the the test, um, I think it could have been done differently even. But all you need to do is either rig the umpire up with something in his ear or just behind home plate and have a red light and a green light. If it's a strike, green light, boom. And that can happen instant. They have the technology to make it happen, and they can use it even at the college level. It's there. Um but the sensors in the balls and gloves thing is interesting. I don't know why we don't do that with the football. The NFL, a $16 billion a year revenue-generating sport, still has three guys with a 10-yard-long chain deciding the outcome of games. There was a, a instance this year. It was the Bucks and the Falcons game where – the ball looked short, and then they even inched it up a little bit as they were measuring. It was still short, if I'm remembering correctly, and they gave the Bucks a first down that ended the game. Then, a couple of years ago, somebody put an index card in between the football and the chain to determine if it was actually a first down or not. That can't be possible in, at that time, 2019, and now in 2021. It's ridiculous. The NFL has more money than they know what to do with. They should spend some of that and just start developing these kind of sensor-laden footballs. They've got sensors in, like, shoulder pads and stuff already anyway. So it shouldn't be that difficult. Or just superimpose the the yellow line that they always say is unofficial on TV. Somehow project it down from the... You know, from the rafters onto the actual field. Tennis has it figured out. If it's a close call, out or in, they have automated technology that happens immediately. You want to know what generates more revenue than tennis? The National Football League. They can get that done. And in tennis, the ball is moving about 100 miles an hour, too, and they're somehow able to track it that way. So... I have faith that football can do it. Eric and Batesville says automated calls would take good framing catchers out of the equation. I have a daughter catcher, but a bad ump behind the plate is terrible. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a skill for sure. And at that level, you'd probably still get bad umpires, unfortunately. I'm sorry to tell you. But, I mean, yeah, it, if you have a catcher that's good at framing, guys strike out. It, it's nuts. I, I Again, I'm not a purist. I know, but we have technology that can make games more streamlined, more accurate, and take, for some reason, people love it, 
the human error element out of the game when it comes to officiating and stuff like that. Have you seen in football when a punt goes out of bounds? What the ref does? That is the most arbitrary thing in the entire world. I hate that so much. There is absolutely no shot that that guy, and it's not his fault. It's not like he's bad. It's just there's no way you know where a punt goes out of bounds when it's like when a guy shanks it off the side of his foot and it hangs in the air and lands in the third row. You can just see that ref running with his arm up in the air. Just you see his yeah, face. Just he's being like, like, I don't know. Oh, where should I stop? Where should I stop? This feels about right. Even Pat McAfee, one of the great. I mean, this is not hyperbole. Pat McAfee's one of the best punters the NFL's ever had, and he retired in his prime. But even Pat McAfee has said those guys don't know. I mean, they have no idea where that punt goes out of bounds. It's just like, uh, my hands up. I'm running. I'm running. I, I guess right here. Why do we still have that happening in our multi-billion-dollar sport? It's insane. Kyle says he agrees um, with electronic first downs, just not removing the home plate umpire. Yeah, to each their own. Uh, I think that the the less human error we can have when officiating games, the better. To me, uh, that that's just I don't like when not players decide outcomes of games. I don't think we should leave it up to people with egos or just human error to decide the outcome of games. I don't like that. I wish we'd get away with it. So they are trying this in minor league baseball this year to some degree. They are trying an an automatic ball strike system in low A southeast only. Is what this says. So very, very limited. So those are the guys that are fresh out of college, man. Yeah. Yeah, so they're doing that. They're also Does it describe how they're going to do it? Does it say like what the system is? Uh, let me find that. So that that's something that uh, I know they tried it before at some level of minor league for like an all star game or something like that in the okay, past. Okay, here we go. The Hawkeye tracking system will be used to deliver an audio signal to the home plate ump, okay. who will then relay the baller's strike call. Okay, that's fine. As long as that's instant, I mean, and I don't, I don't see why it wouldn't be, but, I mean, that's that's as good of a system as you're going to get, I think, yeah. outside of what you were saying with, like, a green or a red light behind home plate. JP makes a great point. He said the Saints would have beat the Broncos uh, in 2016 um, because of the white shoes and the sideline incident. And that one loss kept the Saints out of the playoffs. I forgot about that one. The white shoes thing. Yeah. The punt return. We can't let that happen. Man, is there just an instance for everything with the Saints and officiating? Whether it's the pass interference that could have been overturned by the Sky Judge. This thing, if there's a sensor on the sideline, you, you guys have it all. Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> not fun. Um, I guess I need to apologize to the guy that's constantly pestering me. I... I probably took it too far. I'm sorry about that. It's just, you live to pester me. I don't know why. Yeah, nobody makes you listen to the show, man. If you really think this about me, um, then don't listen. But, like, what have I done to you? You know? To act like this? Come on, man. So, uh, I'm sorry I took it too far, if I did. Uh, forgive me, if I took it too far. But nobody makes you listen to the show. You don't have to. I mean, it's not like I'm making any money on this thing. So losing you is not going to affect my bottom line at all.
A lot of good comments today, though. I'm a technology guy. I know some people don't like that. I'm a technology guy, though. If we got it available, use it. Use it. It's there. One more, and then uh, we'll move on. Uh, gosh, this show went by fast. We don't have any time left. we got one segment left with you. Uh, but you say they haven't... Uh, they didn't have a single missed call in the 2021 Australian Open because of the technology in place. Apparently, it was the first time ever to not have a single missed call point at a tennis event. Good! Can we say that about the NFL? Can we say that about college football? How are we letting tennis get it right, but not football? It's crazy. Final thoughts with you next. You guys will all be relieved to know that Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez, in fact, did not call off their engagement and break up. They're working through some things, but they're very much still together. For now. Oh, that's such a relief. <laughs> I'm so you glad to know that. can all that. sleep peacefully tonight. Yeah. So we didn't even get, I mean, we just ran out of time. I, I mean, I, I love the engagement, the conversation, and uh, two hours just wasn't enough today. Wanted to get to Mississippi State. Uh, so real quick thought on the baseball team. If they can figure out how to be as good offensively in innings one through eight as they are inning nine, they're winning the College World Series. Mississippi State baseball is quickly becoming an NBA game where you only have to watch the last two minutes. So yeah, in this case, the ninth inning. Seriously. <laughs> um, should you be concerned with their offense? Yes, you should. Yeah, you should. Uh, but you've got to love that the team has that same mentality that I've loved about the program for years now. It's almost like I thought to myself watching that game, when they came up in the bottom of the ninth, I thought, yeah, they're winning. I mean, you just you you feel it. They have such this program confidence that has just existed for years. You knew they were winning that game. Will playing a team like Eastern Michigan this close come back to haunt them potentially in SEC play? Sure, it might. But you know that when they're in tight games, they've still got that mental makeup that they've had for years. Um, so that was nice to see. What is that? Th- is that their fourth walk-off this year? Definitely third. Yeah, I think fourth. So They've had one more somewhere. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ole Miss got a walk-off yesterday. Um, we'll see what happens and uh, when Doug Nikhazy can get back in the lineup. They're going to keep uh, Gunnar Hoagland where he is uh, on Friday night. That's probably the best move. He's their best pitcher. Uh, he's got first-round stuff. Uh, I mean, he was a first-round pick coming out of high school. Uh, but he has moved up boards. That will end up being a very good financial decision for Mr. Hoagland. He's pitching lights out, um, so we'll see if Nikhazy gets back in the order um, next weekend against Auburn. But Ole Miss got a series win much tighter yesterday than it should have been. Kevin Graham, though, had an excellent day. He's got a smooth swing. Uh, He and Elko have really picked it up, uh, which is important for that team. If they're going to meet their goals, those two guys need to keep hitting the way they're hitting. Uh, that's for sure. So Ole Miss wins two. Mississippi State wins two. Southern Miss wins two. We've got Selection Sunday coming up later at 5 o'clock, albeit probably not a very interesting one around here. Uh, there was so much stuff that Stephen wanted us to get to today that uh, we just didn't because it's my fault and I rambled too much about technology and sports. But Cam Newton signed a one-year. It's a deal that will get him up to $14 million based on incentives. I expect the Saints are going to give Jameis Winston a very similar contract, an incentive-laden 
deal very similar to the one that Cam Newton just got. So it's one year, $14 million, but it's not really 14 unless he performs. Uh, by the way, the Saints are like just now $10 million above the cap, and they'll get under that easily. It's almost as if that was always going to be the thing. The core is still there. Yeah, losing Janoris Jenkins, that's going to hurt a little bit, but he's an aging corner who you can get similar production for much cheaper. The Quan Alexander move surprised me. Towards Achilles, that's the thing. Yeah. He was kind of a one-year rental anyway, but when you've got an older linebacker coming off of an Achilles tear, it kind of makes sense. Football is a tough business. I do love those. So Brady restructures his contract to save money against the cap. Already, by the way, already Patrick Mahomes is having to restructure his deal because $45 million hamstrings a football team. Imagine that. Uh, but when those guys do it, it's, wow, look at these teams being smart, saving money. When the Saints restructure deals, deal, it's, oh, that's going to catch up to them later. Th- yeah, that money doesn't just go away. That's something that people don't realize. Yeah. But, like, but you'd have to pay them eventually. <laughs> if COVID didn't exist, it, it seriously, it took a pandemic for the Saints to actually have salary cap issue. It's almost as if Mickey Loomis knows what he's doing. He's been the GM there for almost 20 years. He's been doing this for that long. You think now suddenly their moves for the last almost two decades, now it's catching up to him randomly and not because the cap is $16 million lower than what it was supposed to be? They'd be under the cap today if COVID didn't exist. And this is never going to be an issue, but narratives will be narratives. Um, we got a lot to get to next week. That's for sure. College football rules are changing. They're altering the overtime. They're going to add a point of emphasis on taunting in college football because that's going to go well. You watch. There will be a flag thrown because of a land shark this year. Watch. It'll happen. That's a point of emphasis this year in college football is taunting. Can't wait to see how the SEC handles that. They've been great at this in the past for sure. Thank all of you for uh, tuning in. Always glad that you are with us. Check out the stream tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. and every morning, Monday through Friday. And we'll see you in six days and 22 hours from right now. Y'all have a good one. Enjoy Selection Sunday. Enjoy your hoops. Sign up for our uh, bracket challenge. That'll be available later tonight. Be on the lookout on all the social channels. We will also promote it on air. So if you don't have social media, lucky you, um, you will still be able to participate in the bracket challenge. I promise you that. Y'all have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.